Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, hopefully you're listening to this and the world has not gone to hell in a handbasket. We recorded this on Friday the 13th. 13th. Yes, but this is dropping the following Tuesday. So happy St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) I hope you guys are having some luck. Hopefully your schools have not closed. Yeah, as of today, we've seen LAUSD and San Diego school districts making announcements. Smaller ones along the coast. We're waiting with bated breath about our Orange County schools and obviously Riverside, San Bernardino. That have completely closed mm-hmm. all schools in New Mexico. I think Maryland. Yeah. It's so, it's yeah, a cool. Lot, awesome. So, we are bringing you an episode somewhat related to this outbreak. Jacqueline is a director of transitional services in Boston. We actually met her when we did the perfectly anxious first stop of our podcast tour, which also a lot of our dates have been canceled. So, yeah, <laughs> just an update on that. We We've had some pre-recorded mean podcasts with pre-recorded intros, so we just haven't given you guys an update, but things will be rescheduled, so please keep an ear and eye out for that. But originally, we're going to have her on because we had a great discussion with her at the event in January about what she does, transition services. So... It was just a really great take on that college transition. I think that she just brings a unique perspective. Obviously, Janice Royal, we had on previously in her work. It complements it. Yeah. What comes next? Yeah. Get into college, like preparing for the first day. Right. And we didn't even talk to her about that because she had a great topic to discuss, but we will have her on. So we know that the media and so much out there is spreading misinformation about the coronavirus and about school closures and about everything along the lines of this outbreak and we don't want to contribute to that we don't want to add to the fear feed fire to it we want to be able to provide you with some information and some tools and some suggestions because we know as you're hearing this your school may be canceled for a number closed for a number of weeks so we're hoping that this might give you guys some ideas of how to cope with that on the other token if your schools haven't closed or if you're you know, not a parent and you're listening to this and, you know, there's a lot of information there about, you know, the good and the bad about school closures and we kind of wanted to break that open a little Shed bit Shed some light, and yeah. talk about the consequences of everything that's happening. So. Yeah, so Jacqueline brings a really great perspective about how college campuses may be ready to shift to the online platform, but what are we doing for our K through 12? And we really talk a lot. It was actually very calming <laughs> talking to her. She just had some really great tips and tricks and we just really had a great conversation about she's going to be hopping on the facebook group yes and giving suggestions and one of the things that we encouraged in our discussion is that for parents to go and find parents in your community and Mm -hmm. collaborate together there's a lot that we can do together yeah absolutely so we hope that you guys enjoy this episode and we will not be talking to you later because the episode's happening. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) I usually say goodbye and I don't know why I'm saying it. So anyway, clearly our minds are just everywhere. Yes, enjoy. 
Welcome back to the pod, everyone. We're excited to have our guests on today. You know, we had a plan for this pod. As we're recording this, we're in the midst of the fear of the coronavirus. So we decided to actually kind of switch gears and get you some information about how school closures and the switch into the online model is, is creating some anxiety with our families. So we, as always, want to make sure that we're not adding to the media craziness. We want to be give an opportunity to provide information to families. So we hope that we are that. And so, Jackie, thank you so much for being on the pod today. You are very welcome. It's an um, exciting, scary, anxious time for a lot of our families. So the timing for this is so appropriate to kind of debunk some of the fears of this online platform. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, I mean, it really, you were the driving force for the topic change, and we're just so delighted. We actually met you when we were in the Boston area doing our Perfectly Anxious podcast. That was our first stop on our tour. And we, even before you were on the panel, we were just engrossed in this like, conversation. <laughs> we're like, we need to have you back on. So Jacqueline, you are the Director of Transition Services at Frankenberger Associates. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you do there. I'd be happy to. So yes, I'm the Director of Transition Services here at Frankenberger Associates, and we are a full clinic that services families and students in a variety of ways from full educational evaluations, neuropsych evaluations, but my role here is to primarily help families who young adults and students are in a time of transition, whether it's high school to college, college to career or even boarding school to college to prep school to all sorts of things so this if you look at our world right now we're in a state of transition yes everywhere Mm -hmm. and so someone with my background in understanding how transitions manifest how they can drive anxiety up how they can you know spread that anxiety throughout a family structure through a school comes in very handy when you're looking at this type of situation because my background allows me to provide structure, it allows me to provide strategy, and even though it's usually geared to transitioning through college, when you're transitioning through something like this, it's the same principles, Mm -hmm. it's the same type of methodology. Absolutely. And I know that when we had gone to the East Coast, it was a different vibe. I mean, of course, we have, you know, USC, UCLA in LA, we have UCI here in Orange County, Chapman, a couple other great universities. But being in the Boston area, there was a definite, (laughs) you know, we have Harvard and then we have, yeah, pressure is at a different level than I think. Like, I mean, we were talking about, you know, I grew up in in Agora Hills, which is a suburb of L.A., where it was a pretty high rate of going to a four-year college from my high school. At the time, we were like a top 10 in California high school. We are not anymore. I don't know what's happened since I left. But I remember the pressure from our school, but it was to go to UCLA, USC, all the UCs, or even at least a Cal State. I can't even imagine the pressure for the Ivy League level because we were not quite there. It's uh, unbelievable the anxiety that the college process brings to begin with, with young adults and the choices and finding the best fit and helping parents understand what the best fit is for their child's learning and their goals. It is so tedious of a process and so overwhelming that 
the pressure to the anxiety and what's happening in that area right now is we have a group of seniors who can't go visit their colleges because their colleges aren't open. Right. They can't right. get a or a vibe of what that actual place is going to feel like when they're a student. Our athletes can't go and recruit visits or go their overnights or even at this point, spring sports are questionable. Right. All the playoffs for all of our athletes, school athletes, depend on those playoffs to get that lasted in so that college coach sees them. That's or, not happening. Yeah, or even the idea um, so, that if we're on an online model or we're closing schools, how is that affecting seniors and even juniors who this may be the semester that makes a difference between them getting into college or not or getting into a certain college, absolutely. right? So yeah, can you that's talk, a huge piece. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been seeing with, I know that we've started seeing some colleges in California either doing an extended spring break, so saying students go home now until spring break is done, or going to the online model. What have you been seeing over there on the East Coast? Well, I could talk from personal experience on this one because mm. <laughs> of my own children. My daughter, who's a junior in college up here on the East Coast, was on spring break and then received a letter Thursday that her college is closing down. She must get her stuff out by Tuesday the 17th. Whoa. And all of her stuff. And they made online classes or resume back onto campus, but not until after April 6th. My son, who is up in boarding school, also on the East Coast, is also on spring break right now. He was on a sports trip, a training trip into, out to Arizona. They're all flying back today, and they also have to remove their items from their dorm room, and we don't know a return date. Wow. So my daughter, who is the, an athlete, she's a gymnast in, up here on the East Coast, Nationals are canceled. Regionals wow. are canceled. Their season is over. She needs to be picked up today by Anne out of the dorm until mid-April. So many colleges are looking at that three-week period as a time to follow the regulations that say we all have to stay away socially from each other, stay out of crowds to minimize you know, the transfer of coronavirus, and then they're going to reevaluate what they need to do. The positive about the college right now is they understand online learning. They have platforms built into their systems where they can provide a virtual classroom or an online learning mm -hmm. platform. It's our K through 12 that many don't have that platform or the means to do it. Like you said earlier, they don't have the computers. They don't have the right. technology. Right. The families don't. They don't have the resources. So how is that going to be transferred into that online e-learning model? Right. So many of the colleges up here have closed. I think the one that was the most prevalent in the Boston area is when Harvard shut their doors. Harvard wow. shut their doors and it was like a ripple effect across Massachusetts. Right, yeah. right. And the same thing is happening here in Connecticut and New York State shut theirs down. So this ripple effect is happening. Uh, I have a client who goes to Barton College, which is in North Carolina. Barton closed their doors. Wow. Their season, athletic seasons are done. Spring seasons are questionable. And I think that's the unknown and that piece that is so anxiety provoking right now is that unknown. We don't okay. know how this online learning is going to be delivered. We don't know how the professors are, what the responsibilities of the professors at a collegiate level are going to do. Admissions are scrambling right now because they can't have 
their juniors come up to visit because this is the time where juniors start to look and they can't come to have their seniors come to accepted senior uh, accepted students day and if they are deciding between four different colleges it is your accepted students day that makes or breaks your decision right if well, those aren't happening you are going to be questioning as a young adult am i making the right decision right right well and you i don't can, have that information anymore yeah and i can even imagine like going a step further you know we talk in our k through 12 schools how you know the free lunch program is the only real meal a lot of these kids get in a day yeah you know yep. we take that extend that to college i mean i think back to when i was in college i didn't live on campus i lived in an apartment you know if but like people who lived in the dorms if you didn't have the money to go and like find alternative houses housing. You're not allowed to live in the dorms. What are you supposed to do? And, you know, how are you going? Like the education, of course, is really important, but also just the basic level of like, how are these families, how are these children and young adults able to, you know, continue on if their jobs were on campus? How are they able to survive? And I mean, I'm sure you're able to step in for your daughter and figure out, okay, we got to get storage. We have to get a U-Haul, you know, and help her kind of, you know, get that checklist going. But like we're kind of echoing, you know, there are a lot of young adults that, you know, they're making it on their own. And that's what's scary is when the college isn't necessarily, and you know, I get it. You're 18, you're an adult, but as we talked about and what your services and the transition is, is really spelling some of these things out, right? The kid right. was focused on so hard getting to college. And I loved when we had talked in Boston, you had kind of said, look, college is really the workplace, right? So your professors are your bosses and then, you know, your exactly. classmates are your, you know, and I love that because, you know, really how you in those four years kind of grow and learn these things, you know, you're going to be green going into your first job. But for a lot of these kids, like Amanda just said, like they have jobs on campus, like they are taking the responsibility to do all this stuff. So I think for us, that's who we automatically think of, right? Is those kids that really, and that's why during this time, you know, just a little bit of compassion. So I get that a lot of the colleges are shutting down, but like not really thinking through (laughs) all these little details. details. Exactly that. You guys are exactly right. I mean, there's a whole generation of, we call them the first generations. They're the ones that are the independent learners. They are the ones that are supporting themselves through college. They don't really have a home to go back to. And where are they going to go? Or, you know, even the ones that have a home to go back to, many families downsize when their children go off to college. Right. Is there room? Is there money? Yeah. Everything. And you have families that are not going to be able to afford having their, and this is very sad to me, they can't afford to have their children home because of their own circumstances. If their children are home, what are they supposed to do about their work? If it's a single parent, how are they supposed to manage that? How are they supposed to be the one to oversee the educational part of their children's development now when they have to work themselves? So there's a lot of factors that are going to, you know, play out that we have no idea what to do with or how to manage it. And then there's the international population that can't go home. Oh, right. Absolutely. And they they don't have family here to help. Usually. Right. What are we going to do with these poor young adults who both, you know, in it's not just a college. It's the young adults that are here on exchange programs that can't go back or 
are studying in the United States through a boarding school program, where are they supposed to go? What are they yeah. supposed to do? Well, and Who's then we made it there. Learn. Yeah, we There's were so much, so much. We were talking this morning about the Department of Education came out with some recent guidance about students with disabilities and how this yes. is going to impact. And essentially, the summary of their guidance was, you know, if an entire school is closed for the whole population, the obligation to provide a FAPE during that time is kind of suspended, right? But if they're not permanently closed, if it's an at-risk population that cannot go to school, the schools do have an obligation to provide certain services to those students. One thing that's going to be really interesting to see is part of the guidance was talking about, okay, we have the schools closed, so we're not providing anything to anybody, so there's no discrimination for the children with special needs, but what happens when they come back? Some of these students, if they do not get consistent services, that's why we have extended school year programs, they are going to regress when they come back, and so is there going to be an obligation to provide compensatory services for those students? But at a greater level, are students that are suffering from mental health or anxiety-driven deficits in school already, how is this disruption this transition going to heavily affect them, both our youth and our young adults? It's going to have a very strong impact. You know, one of the group of schools that are not closing down at this point are your wilderness and your therapeutic schools mm. because they see the need. They, right. they can't Absolutely. send their, uh, their people home. No, risk. Their clientele are there because of what you just spoke about, the high anxiety, the mental illness. And, and this type of environment, this crisis mentality that we ha- are all in right yeah. now will just drive that even further into a panic with them. Right. So I don't think, you know, our severe ones that are being taken care of, the concern is those something like this for a child who's anxious is the whole world is anxious now. Exactly. So what am I yeah. supposed to do? Where am I supposed right. to go? Right. So again, it's looking for communities going to provide resources for right. these families, these children, the parents. You know, when we brainstormed this morning in that meeting that I had initially talked about, we talked about, you know, do we provide that? Do we have an online classroom? Do we have an online support program mm-hmm. for exactly what you're talking about to reduce the risk of students not learning, the regression risk. Right. Do we provide an actual classroom of, you know, under 10 students to come in with their right. Chromebooks right. Or, or their ads? Open it up, guys. Take them, let's see what you're doing. Let's navigate you through. I think it's going to be up to the communities to really provide those resources because our governmental systems are looking more at the big picture. So right. we're going to be, have to be the ones to look at the smaller and really work within this virtual world. Now, as adults, we know how to do this. We know how to navigate. A 12-year-old can't navigate this. Mm -hmm. They can Mm -hmm. understand where everything is on their computer, but they can't guide their own learning. Right. Right. We're asking our children to self-teach, and we're asking our parents to monitor. Right. Right. So, in an (laughs) effort... That's really hard. We can't get parents to monitor homework. No, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little difficult. So, in an effort... So, the anxiety is going to just increase. Yeah. So, one of the things, you know, obviously, we are talking about so many things that could go wrong, that are going wrong, that are things that are anxiety-driven. In an effort to not feed the fire of fear and anxiety in the media already, can we talk about some things that maybe families and schools can be doing either better or maybe do that they aren't doing? Any suggestions of, like, if a family is listening to this or a small school is listening to this, what are some things that we could actually be doing to try to, to combat these concerns? 
Well, I think the first thing is to make sure that you have structure in your home so that there's um, routine for your children, young adults, college students to follow and yourself as a parent going through this or as a, you know, a school looking at it, provide the structure. Don't try to solve the problem, but provide a structured environment. You know, hey, guys, we're going to do this as a team right. and have breakfast at this time together. And then, you know what, just like mom is going to open up her computer and do some work and maybe get some things done. Let's all do it at the same time. Let's get our work done. Let's see what everyone's doing so that there's a routine. Then mm -hmm. you take a break. So it's not all day. Do something, you know, if you are confined to your home, do something in your home. If you're not confined to your home and you're just confined to your community, find something to do. Don't cut back totally on the social interaction because your kids need it. Right. And at the same time, don't feed the fear. Try to keep things as normal as you can. Don't try to increase the anxiety, but also talk about it and right. say, you know, what are you feeling about it? Find those support groups. I think that you'll find that there'll be more and more support groups developing online. Absolutely, yeah. For this thing. But I think those structures have to be placed. Yeah. I think schools have to be a resource where families yeah. can find those structures. One thing I was thinking about this morning, because I was thinking about the single parents and the parents that can't afford not to go to work and they have jobs that aren't closing or whatnot. And I was wondering, like, if it would be a good idea, like, Parents are so good at using the resources around them of other parents. And so I wonder yeah. if maybe parents can be banding together to create a system for like, you know, if we have five families that can say on Monday, you're going to so-and-so's house on Tuesday, you're going and the parents could rotate the days. Like if school is not in session, like what are some practical, like, do you think that would be something? And then if the families can agree on a structure, maybe like banding together in some way? I think that would be great. I mean, it goes back to, you know, you made me think about when, you know, I was a new mom and I had the support of other new moms and having that time where one mom would take all five kids for yeah. one day so right. that the rest of us moms could go out and do something. It's the same type of relying and trusting your friends and your neighbors and your mm -hmm. peers and really finding that community is community and let's mirror community for our families, our children, you know, go back to that, what we said college was about. It mirrors your community, teaches you adulting skills. Well, let's do that at home too with all of our children. And I love that idea of parents working together to get through this time. You know, if that's what we're modeling for our children, that's pretty strong. If yeah. we're modeling that relying on your neighbor is what you do through crisis, we are really modeling a strong ethical value. Absolutely. And I think that the tendency, especially in this crisis, is to isolate. You know, you yeah. see people, you know, hoarding toilet paper. There's no toilet paper anywhere in like a 30 mile radius. <laughs> One person has One 30 per and yeah, everyone I mean, else has none. Finally, the stores, you know, and mo some of those people are doing it for greedy reasons, right? Then they're trying to resell it for an exorbitant amount of money online. But, you know, stores have had to resort to saying, you know, two per customer. Customer, right? Like, because I think the tendency is to not try to reach out and build that community. It's to isolate. Right. And I think that that drives the fear. It drives the paranoia. Yep. And, you know, online, so much has happened 
you know, with bullying and, you know, we know that it can do so much more, but it got into this weird, you know, and then this fake news and all this stuff. And and so I really hope and pray that during this time, people can start to see the good of being online because it's really, really difficult to try and educate these children on an online. I mean, some people do it. It's homeschool. And like, so those are the parents that we probably would want to talk to. Like, hey, you homeschool your kids. How are you doing it? People people have done it before you and they're going to do it after you. So I implore some of our listeners who do homeschool to get on our Facebook community forum and please share, you know, any tips and tricks you have. Or if Um, you're in a neighborhood and you do have the ability, maybe one parent is a stay-at-home parent already and you could host a social group or a study group for the kids in your neighborhood. I think the idea of like, you know, we don't need to be isolating so much that we're not helping each other because we can't. I think that's exactly it. And, you know, I love the idea of finding the resources in homeschoolers. That's a great resource. You know, they know how to access strong online programs and they can also help you as a parent guide you through it and there's also you know works like the one here that we can guide families in small groups in how to manage that online learning and how to manage a small group it's again like you said reaching out through this virtual world to find those resources that will help you know that's why we spoke about you know we do an online classroom where we invite families to come and we manage the academics and get you started, show you how to do it, or do we do it in person? We have the space. Do we open our doors up and, you know, right, right. do two sessions a day, morning school and afternoon school type of thing? Yeah. Along with some other things. So, again, you're right. It's understanding the need to move to this online platform so that we keep people safe, so we minimize the risks. At the same time, it gives us an opportunity to reestablish community. reestablish what it means to help one another, be there for each other. And that sense of camaraderie itself will decrease anxiety so much because you won't feel alone. Right. Right. You feel like you have the resources, you have the backing. And I think, and like I said before, that's that system. That's that sense of consistency Mm. and normalcy that really needs to be in our children's lives during crisis times. We can't be showing our fears. We can share our fears, but we need to also share the resolutions. We need to show our children and our young adults, how do we move past this? How do we work with this? How do we get through this? Absolutely. And, you know, and keep them at the same time engaged in what learning is about. And I think that's the other hard piece that will will be a difficult aspect of all this for families to manage and for the students to manage is, What's the purpose of all this? If I can't learn this way, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Because yep. learn, you learn every day. Everything you do, you learn. You don't stop. And we're going to learn a new way of learning, and we're going to learn what it's like to you know, rely on each other, and we're going to learn what it's like to give to each other. Yeah. And I think that's the other critical piece when you talk about those populations you mentioned before. Yeah. You know, the international, the, the families that can't do this, how are we going to provide the resources for them? Right. 
Right. You know, especially if it's online classes, how do we get them the technology? Exactly. I mean, it falls on us, right? Like you said, at the local level, and we can always improve on what the higher level, you know, government decisions that are being made, you know, we can look to. And I just, I had an email this morning that just a charter school of a new client just shut down, right? So it's almost like an elongated spring break, but, you know, and various private schools are saying, you know, we're still open. some of them have the model to be online, so they've already just kind of initiated that. I think it just, in the last day, since Wednesday, we're recording this on a Friday, you guys are hearing it on Tuesday, it's just so much has happened so quickly, right. it's so hard to not go into panic, right, and feel just this anxiety, because it's in the air. Here in California, it's actually been raining as well, so you know us, we have our sunshine, and so when that's taken <laughs> away, it really Really, rain, really, paranoia, and yeah, Friday. Supposed to have rain. I know. I know. Supposed to have sun. Uh, well, today is a Friday, and yeah. it's rain, paranoia, and Friday the thirteenth. And apparently, well, a full let's moon look at how week. the week started. Yeah, it started with that. You know, changing of the clock. Yeah. Then we oh had, my goodness. Oh, we had a full moon in there. We yep. can't oh, forget Lord. that. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then we had the wonderful stock market. Yeah. I know. I know. And then we'll move past that quickly, and now we're into Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, the only saving grace is what? St. Patrick's Day next week? I guess. That's what we'll hold on <laughs> the to. The festivities which, are being yeah, canceled, Which though. you guys are, you're listening to it, but you can have a Guinness at home. It doesn't mean yeah, that, you, know, that right. you can't. Just I'm don't sure. share that with your kids. Right. I'm sure that's still on the shelves. I'm sure Guinness is still on the shelves. Well, Jacqueline, we really appreciate your time. I think your just calming presence has helped Amanda and I yeah. on this Friday the 13th. I think it's helped our listeners on St. Patrick's Day to feel a little lighter. And so tips and tricks of what to do, what not to do. And, you know, we're going to have to have you on so we can talk more about actual transitions, what we were planning on talking about. We'll have you back on. But, you know, we so appreciate your time. And how can people reach you, Jacqueline? They can go through our website, which is frankenbergerassociates.com. Or they can reach me at my email, which is Jacqueline at frankenbergerassociates.com. That's usually the easiest way. Or they can call our office, which is my number directly is 617-417-4297. Excellent. And uh, we answer everything. We even answer texts. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and you know, um, we'll put that in our show notes. And I think that is comforting to a lot of people, especially during this time. Jacqueline, we thank you again. And yes, we're going to schedule on for follow up (laughs) for the actual topic. Thank you for listening. Stay calm. You know, we're going to get through this together. Feel free to reach out to our online community. There's so many families out there willing to help and give guidance and support. So let's show that compassion. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.